hi there. I'm Candice. I was just working on situating my lived experience into a salient critique of ideology. Let's see if this thing works. Whoa, whoa, whoa! It seems like it needs a little more work. But that's the exciting part, because you never know what you'll discover along the way. But don't take my word for it. Why don't you come along for today's adventure in ideology? Welcome to Adventures in Ideology. If you are new to the show, this is a show where we analyze episodes of the radio drama Adventures in Odyssey, created in 1986 by Focus on the Family and still running today. Adventures in Odyssey was created with the express purpose of indoctrinating children. We try to identify the invisible assumptions present in evangelical theology and the way they are presented and normalized to kids through the show. We listened to and loved this show growing up. And now we are listening with a more discerning ear to identify and deconstruct the problematic ideas we were exposed to as children, and look at how those beliefs have played out in our lives. We're excited you're here. I'm Karis. And I'm Candice. Welcome to Season 4 of Adventures in Ideology. We decided this season we're going to change things up a little bit. So we have brought on two new co-hosts. You will recognize them if you are subscribed to our Patreon uh, from the Christy Miller series. Welcome, Mitch and Lindsay. Thanks. Hello. Hi. I should have let you guys introduce your own names. Do you, I'm Lindsay. Would you like to... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mitch. Uh, familiar show listeners will know that I've been here the whole time and nothing has changed. <laughs> He's been our silent partner in every so other we're, episode. We're looking forward to going through some of these episodes with more people. Um, I think what the plan is, is that probably all four of us won't be on every episode. It'll be some combination of us. Right. This is to lighten the load for everyone, really. Because, you know, if you're releasing a podcast publicly every two weeks, man, that's a lot of work. It's a lot. I know. I don't know how some people do it every week. I I know. Addy money. Yeah. Yeah. We need, really, we need to get um, some, like, advertisers or whatever to pay us yeah, to advertise to pay- for them. Yeah, I don't want to. I've actually stopped listening to quite a few podcasts because they've gotten ads. Because they really just yeah, I can't handle it. Yeah. Depending where they put them, like I hate it when they they stick them like right in the middle of a conversation or like yeah. Anyway, um, I don't want to talk about us getting ads. I want to talk <laughs> about us. I want to talk about Noah. So we're going to be talking about the first episode from album four. What's the album name? Fundamentals. Uh fundamentals yep the episode is called by faith noah and it's a paul mccusker episode so mitch could you uh give us the synopsis of this episode oh of course this is a very complex episode so what happens is wit tells jack and lucy the story of noah's ark all right bye everyone thanks for listening (laughs) um before we get into it mitch and Lindsay, do you guys want to share your upbringing around adventures in odyssey or your relationship with it yeah Yeah. um so i used to go to sleep to adventures in odyssey 
cassettes every night for years. So I know many, many episodes. I don't know if they're making more recent episodes. I don't know those ones, but all the ones we've talked about so far so far are pretty familiar. And uh, I loved them growing up. They were the thing that we listened to because, you know, very sheltered Christian bubble. And uh, so, yeah, but it's been fun listening to them kind of being torn apart. <laughs> Do you, <laughs> Thank Do you, you. have a favorite? Um, right. Well, I don't know if I have a favorite. Um, I will say that I totally had a crush on Jimmy Barkley and on Jason. I really had a crush oh, yeah. on Jason and I really wanted Jason and Connie to get together. Um, I wanted that too. Yeah. yeah they same. just seemed like they would get, they would get along so well, even though I think Jason's probably actually a lot older than Connie, but I, I kind of in my is. head, I put them like closer together in age. Um, yeah. And- so yeah. You're not the only one uh, for, you know, purely <laughs> academic research reasons. I've gone looking for adventures in Odyssey uh, fan fiction and Connie Jason is by far the most common pairing. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, for my part, my experience with Adventures in Odyssey was very similar to uh, Lindsay's uh, as a child. I listened to Adventures in Odyssey cassettes while I was not going to sleep. And um, I had a somewhat different relationship with them because I was not raised evangelical. I kind of collided with them in high school. Um, I grew up, grew up in a uh, Anglican uh, community and my mom... Uh, used the Adventures in Odyssey tapes because they seemed like safe Christian content and then listened to them because she took an interest in what I was being exposed to. And uh, I think it was when there was an episode about like Israel-Palestine that was extremely, uh, my mom did not have, this was the early 90s, my mom did not have a nuanced, complex, woke take on Israel-Palestine. She just noticed like, whoa, these guys really like the idea of war. I'm not okay with this and um so i was spared a long-term relationship with john avery whitaker (laughs) but i have i have those childhood memories of early episodes and i think that probably the thing that made the biggest impression on me was there was some like long extended story series and maybe we'll get to it eventually. I can barely remember it because I was quite young about like looking for an alleged burial site of Christ. And there was like a conspiracy and a bunch of, uh, for adventures in Odyssey, like tense, high profile action and stuff. And, uh, it was insane. I remember that. Uh, Mitch, I remember that series also. And also, like, in tandem with it or not, Wit goes missing. He, like, mm-hmm. on his hunt for something. And I I just remember there's one episode where they go to Spain to find to try and find him. And then get, like, thwarted by whoever is also trying to find him. But the bad, the bad guys. The bad guys. Yeah, it's a fun... I like that they started doing some of those, like adventure series a little more i think that really brought them a lot of fans yeah um yeah okay i'm gonna jump into the episode breakdown okay let's do it so it starts out with our we have our 
uh, EXO story. Yeah, Chris Exo is at plot. a bookstore, EXO plot. Chris is at a bookstore looking for a book on faith. And there's an overly helpful bookstore attendant. That's a good description. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, so she's like, I'm looking for a book on faith. And he's like, we have 10 steps to faith, getting a faith lift, practical faith in an Im- impractical world, faith when you have none, faith when you have more than you need, daily devotions of faith, bumper stickers <laughs> of faith, faith for the faithful in a faithless society. <laughs> and then Chris is like, well, what I want to know is what is faith? And he can't tell her. Yeah, he like tries to quote the Bible and like fails miserably. Mm -hmm. So that's what this episode is about. We're gonna learn about what faith is. Sorry, I am. I just uh, you can go in a second. I just want to clarify one more thing. I am just looking at different tabs on the computer. So if it might take me a second to see if someone has a comment. (laughs) Sounds good. Just if you're wondering why I'm being like totally dense, you've had your hand for like up forever. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> it's it's all good. Um, there's there's just a thing in uh, you know I have high tolerance for bits, and I hate this bit with the over enthusiastic bookstore employee who is then stumped by a very simple question, and also so uh, they supposedly have this big you know. Uh, idea industrial complex selling a bunch of books with all the answers but they don't have any bibles and i'm sorry i call bullshit bookstores have bibles in them yeah. this is this Every is one of those bookstore yes yeah this, this is one of those things that focus on the family does where they insert into these comedy bits these little subtle digs that are mm-hmm. trying to convince you that you are persecuted and Christians are such a tiny fringe minority and everyone is at war with faith and no one knows what a Bible is. And it's a lie. Like it is a lie. And is a lie, they yeah. can't, they can't prove it to you with reality. So they just kind of jab it in a little bit at a time in the fiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just surprised that she went to a bookstore at all when all the answers are in the Bible. <laughs> Why would she be looking outside of it? That seems sacrilegious. Yeah. Come on, Chris. This whole episode seems sacrilegious. It if does, you ask yeah. Me. Um, <laughs> so let's get into it. We, we open on Wit's End, and Jack and Lucy have come to Wit's End to talk to Mr. Whitaker about faith. So he... It, it starts out and he's reading them a story about a little boy who's in a house that's on fire and his father's on the ground and he's telling him to jump. And that's the end of the story. And Jack's like, how is that even related to faith? So Mr. Whitaker is explaining to them what faith is. And he says, the real meaning of faith is trust. Billy is faced with a situation where his faith is made real. He needs to have enough faith to actually leave the windowsill and jump into his father's arms. You also have to be pretty sure you're putting your faith in the right person. Someone who says he'll do what he says he'll... Someone who does what he... Someone who does what he says he'll do. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's correct. Sorry. (laughs) Okay. So... Someone... (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) No, that's okay. So my defense... (laughs) I'm getting over a cold and apparently my brain isn't fully there. You know what? Okay, listeners, I I have to say, I think the way that Candace, or sorry, Karis, 
I know my co-hosts. Um, <laughs> I think the way that, that Karis paraphrased what happens here is great because what she wrote down is, you need to have faith in someone who says he'll do what he says he'll do, which is <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> Yeah. Almost a Freudian <laughs> slip, if you will. Uh, I mean, that's who that that's who focus really wants you to have faith in. People, yeah. just people saying stuff. Yeah. So, Mr. Whitaker, to further clarify, takes them to the Bible room, and there's a display of Noah. And so he decides he's going to tell them the story of Noah. So he starts with the Bible verse, Hebrews 11. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And then verse seven says, by faith, Noah being warned by God about things not seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. And that's, I thought that was kind of a confusing verse, actually. Yeah. Like, I don't, it didn't really clarify to me. It seemed kind of mean like to me this says so because because noah saved his household god condemned the world (laughs) oh yeah it does yeah kind of you know and like i this this gave gave me thoughts too for about the anti-union sentiment that comes up in a little bit Mm, yeah so the the idea that God could not have condemned the world had everyone stood in solidarity, but because Noah was like willing to leave everyone else to die, God could yeah. kill everyone because then there would still be someone alive. Oh, so you're saying Noah's a scab. Yeah. Kinda. Yeah. That's kinda. interesting. Well, I, I kind of like that. I, I I think that, but the thing is, is that you're giving you're giving Old Testament God too much credit here because the way that the story of Noah is like I'll, I'll go into uh, maybe I'll just read the summary of the next part that uh, the way the Adventures in Odyssey episode and Mr. Whitaker explains it is oh well you know Noah lived hundreds of years ago so you know like 1600s uh, when the people of the world had become especially wicked every intent of the thoughts of their hearts was on evil continually. You know how it is, you know, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the Lord was sorry he'd made man on the earth and was grieved in his heart. So God decided to destroy man, the animals, and even the creeping things. There was one man who found grace in the sight of the Lord, a just man, perfect in his time. He walked with God. So what's happening here is God is throwing a fucking temper tantrum and he's going to murder everything and he does not care. And then like this one guy, he's like, okay, Mm -hmm. you can live. Um, It's really interesting that you describe that as a temper tantrum because it, does feel like God is a really triggered parent and doesn't know how to deal with his emotions. So he literally just genocides his children. Well, which is a common theme in evangelical theology, right? Because what is hell, if not just like the continuous genociding of the bad kids? 
Yeah. Well, I I have in my own notes, like the uh, the episode says that like, oh, God chose Noah to be part of a special plan. And my mind immediately jumps to, yeah, like a final solution, if you will. Yes, uh, very eugenic. And, and, yeah. and, and it's yeah. not, and I don't say this to like make light of the Holocaust and of genocide. I, I say it to be like, going to truck in my favorite problem of evil here. Like if you have this idea of a God who is all powerful and all good, how do we get into this situation where one, he's like, oh man, I made a real mistake and everything is fucked and I hate it. Time to kill everyone. None of that works. None of it is coherent. It's, it's insane. It's horrible. And it raises the question of like, why would you worship this God? Beats me. Beats us all, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Mitch, the answer always to that question from evangelicals is free will. Somehow. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Right. No, That's right. why evil. Free will. But also, yeah. like, he literally created a dude to, to come and lure us into sin. So it's a, it's a pretty stacked game. Um, yeah. So... We we are suddenly inside the story. Yes. And it's Noah this, coming home to his wife. Oh. oh I just, that whole, sorry, that whole paragraph that. I, that I'm glad Mitch you made a noise because then I know oh. to come back oh, yeah. and like back because <laughs> otherwise I'll just power through. Just keep going. Because I can't see the comments if I do it on my iPad for some reason. Right. So oh. I need the oh, laptop fair. to see. Yeah. Right. Well, I just need to see my comments. Right. Anyway, um, Harris, go ahead. Um, I just appreciate, like, that That whole paragraph that Mitch just read is so stacked with stuff. Like, he lived hundreds of years ago. Like, try thousands. <laughs> but then I'm like, are they trying to do, like, a young Earth creationism thing? So they said hundreds of years ago. I was um, also wondering about that. Right? And then, and then I just am like, what does it mean that like the world was especially wicked what does it mean mm-hmm. that every intent of their hearts was evil like what i wish there was some sort of context or like explanation for that instead of mm-hmm. just like oh mm-hmm. people were evil therefore we can kill them and that's okay like what also murder like, is the solution there's no, <laughs> right? no such thing as rehabilitation even yeah. god can't rehabilitate people that's why like yeah. the death penalty is good you know right also, like, and, like, he regrets making men, but if he was all-knowing, wouldn't he have known mm-hmm. he regretted it before he made them? And then he gets stuck in that cycle. If you're all-knowing, you can't have regret. Yeah. It just doesn't exist. Yeah. So it's just interesting. And then, like, how were they so evil that, like, the world is not that evil now? Like, and how is it that he could wipe out a group of people and then they could come back and then not be as evil moving forward. What's really interesting to me is like we have evangelical Christianity and which is, you know, a, a branch of capitalism and it's like the guys that they are saying are the good guys now really like the people that are going to heaven are the exact people 
that Jesus said the opposite. You know, like mm-hmm. they yes. like they really believe in wealth and exploiting people. Like they they wouldn't frame it that way, but mm-hmm. you know, like probably the same people if we're if there was a god who was going to destroy the earth because of evil, it's these guys that are saying that they're the ones that are going to heaven, you know? Yes, totally. So it's just a kind of a delicious irony. Yeah. Yeah. So Noah, we meet Noah and his wife. Um, and yeah. Noah's Whose name home. we never get. Noah's wife. I had to yeah. look it up. I think I, it's it, name. Noah's wife's name is wife. Yeah, I don't think it actually says, but it must say somewhere in the Bible because I looked up what her name was because I thought it was Milka, but that's somebody else. Um, her name is Nema. Nema. Nice. Yeah. I don't know how if that's how you say it, but that's how I pronounce Nema. So she does have a By name, faith, but you know, Nema. You don't actually need it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, okay, but for the purposes of this episode of Adventures in Odyssey, her name is wife. Right, right. Yes. yes. No, she doesn't. To, to evangelical to men, the, the wife doesn't matter. Except doesn't matter. if he was literally like building a zoo and making an ark, she was probably actually doing most of the work. Yes. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, the this credit. whole interaction that happens as soon as you meet them is gross. I'm basically like, I'm hungry. What's for supper? I've been working all day and now I don't have anything to eat or whatever. It's just like, wow, yep, that's your typical mm-hmm. evangelical like man goes to work woman should have the food perfect for him on the table yeah and never mind raising the kids and literally doing yeah. everything yeah um and also then having to support him in his crazy quest of <laughs> building this ark and yeah. you know trusting and supporting that he is hearing god's voice and mm-hmm. he's not just um yeah she's yeah, you know, like maybe mentally ill or something. Right. <laughs> I mean, and because Noah's spending all of his time b- building this ark, probably not just holding down the household, but doing all of the work to make sure they have money to afford one as well, while he goes oh, off yeah. on his flat Earth quest to build a rocket to prove that NASA is a lie. <laughs> right. So anyway, we find out that. Noah was talking to God. Right. And I thought I felt like the way they represented Noah in this scene was like he's just like a Christian guy. He was out in the field doing his work, whatever that is, and he was praying like an evangelical would pray today, which I thought was Right. I mean, I think that is the way they picture it, but also mm-hmm. it's kind of cra- it's kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Right. The, yeah. Like he would have would he would likely have been a Zoroastrian, right? Was that around was that around right Ooh, now? Yes. Hot take. Uh yes, by absolutely every metric except for uh what academia politely calls some minority scholars, uh, which means Christians who Christian liars lie who are making stuff up. up. Yeah. Um yes. Uh a lot of passages in the Old Testament, not not necessarily. Oof, I need to look at my uh, source at, at 
my sourcing stuff. I'm not sure if the story of Noah would have been influenced. Basically, a lot of stuff was influenced during the Second Temple period uh, when the uh, it, when the Israelites actually were like conquered and mass displaced uh, into uh, then Babylon, and they were heavily, heavily influenced by uh, Zoroastrian religion. And that's actually when there was a big shift from a sort of tribal, you know, there are a bunch of gods, but our God is our God that we worship because uh, he's a jealous God and wants us to, and he can probably beat up your God. Uh, the shift from that into uh, a more monotheistic um, idea of there are no other gods or all other gods are lies. Um, that that so is when that big change happened. And after the after that period and the second temple period is a when a lot of mythologizing. Oh, wait. Yeah. No, I'm re I'm remembering that is when a lot of back solving mythologizing happened. And I think could be when the story of Noah was written because it is cribbing heavily from Babylonian sources about their own flood myth. Okay. Because I, I was, I thought either he would have been Zoroastrian or... A, like a tribal in order to speak to God, like if he was speaking to God, if he was like communing supernaturally, then it would have been a more shamanic kind of practice involving an altered state and kind of receiving a vision kind of thing. Um, it, it depends. Often there wasn't necessarily uh, always mystic traditions this early. Sometimes you just like had your household God um or oh, your tribe okay. god of the family or whatever that you like left but offerings to hearing, and maybe had your ritualized prayers um, if he's hearing from god if he's hearing god's voice yes right that to me indicates some kind of altered state i i don't know i think that i think that we're almost or in danger of doing illness? like a reflection of the same things evangelicals do of like projecting back our own ideas of how people's concepts that of is fair no one was there would have worked. nobody knows and, yeah, yeah. yeah who knows it could have been a very different thing than we can even imagine um anyway i just thought it's probably not him out in a field praying like we know it now mm -hmm. right. i think you're right this this idea of guy goes out to work in the field maybe eats some moldy food or whatever and comes back like holy shit I had this vision, the entire earth is going to flood. We're going to do something about it. Um, you know what? I buy it now. <laughs> I just had to fumble my words a little bit. So then Wit su suggests that Noah probably got picked on for believing that there was going to be a flood and just with no evidence of it, working for 120 years on building a giant ark and... Um, the, the 120 people... years is also, he just says, like, some people think, cite your sources, Wit. Yeah. Wit doesn't have to cite sources because he is God. Yeah, he's God. My, um, my question with that is how did they gauge years back then? Like, I wonder this, too, with the high numbers of age. <laughs> high right? numbers. Um. I'm like, were so, they just, they just had a different measure of, was it just year, like a lunar a year? calendar? And so then like every month is a year or something. <laughs> well, these, these are culture hero myths and just so stories like this idea that we have to pin down 
the years to exact specific measurements of time and construct a plausible history of like a timeline of what was going on is a very modern idea that for a very, a very, very, very long time, absolutely no one gave a shit. Yeah, it, the story originally was probably like, he was very old, and then he was very, very old. Yeah. It, the, the, you're, the, the questioning of like whether a year was longer or not just kind of highlights how deeply ingrained that way of thinking is in us from growing up in it. Totally. Sorry. Yeah. So Noah is trying to convince people that there's going to be a flood. He is telling them to turn or burn, turn or drown. <laughs> yeah. God's judgment is coming. You've got to turn away from your wickedness. And in the middle of his um, preaching to these people, there a whole bunch of people come to, to bully him. <laughs> kind of. So there's the Ark Builders Union who are mad at him because he's building an ark, but he's not a part of their union. Yep. And he's like, what do I know about unions? We're a family operation here, <laughs> which is so yeah. interesting because that's the same excuse that Albertan farmers used to try and justify paying their workers poorly and um, not giving them any kind of benefits. So or isn't insurance. that interesting? Or, or a very dangerous field. Like farming can really wreck your body. So interesting. They're already they're pitting unions against family business in this mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. um, like Hobby Lobby. Oh my goodness, that that poor family business. What would happen to them if they if the workers unionized? Um. Noah tells the union that if they turn from their wicked ways, they can come and help. Is that a little too on the nose? Turn, <laughs> turn from your union wicked ways. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. And then you'll actually, then you can actually do some work in the world. Yeah. There's somebody for the Society for the Protection of Dangerous Animals. That's like, I can't believe you're caging animals. There's um, a health inspector, the police come and are like, don't you realize you're double parked? And at this point, Lucy is like, that didn't really happen. Finally. Yeah. Um, and it's like, well, the Bible doesn't say that. We're just using our imaginations. So I just thought it was really oh. interesting. This idea that we can just make up details. We can just make up whatever mm -hmm. story makes yeah. the story more interesting um which i understand they're trying to make these really kind of boring very like sparsely detailed stories exciting for kids mm -hmm. but also like literally making up the bible is heresy <laughs> <laughs> that's true making up fun little details to add into these stories to give them some kick. The fun little details they're making up to give the story some kick are all political propaganda against yes, people they, they are. Hate. 
And while you were summarizing the organizations that are harassing this poor man who is just trying to protect his family, you you skipped over the what to me was the most upsetting one, the uh, antediluvian Civil Liberties Association who attack him for trying to impose his beliefs on others. And he says he's going to represent anyone and everyone you've offended and make you go broke in court costs. This is literally just screaming, civil rights are oppressing Christians so much. I can't scream the N-word at people. And it's making me lose my mind. Yeah, you're totally right. You know what? As soon as it said antediluvian, I just heard like gray noise. Me too. I I blocked that one out. That's why I didn't include it in the notes. Um, You didn't know. So your brain did. But so, Candace, it's not heresy if they're just using their imaginations, right? Because that's what Wit says. But you're a hundred percent right. Just making up things that could have happened in the Bible is heresy. So God told Noah to come into the ark and you and your household because you are righteous before me in this generation. And they go on to the ark and God closes the door and the earth is covered in rain for 40 days and 40 nights, lifting the boat high above the earth. So which was probably a regional flood. Yeah. Um, I also and then Wit was... says. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I also thought it was interesting when Noah is talking to his wife when he comes home from the field. She's like, oh, isn't God merciful to us that he would save us? And I'm like, merciful to you, you, your small little family. Like, is he playing favorites? He's not merciful to the rest of the world just because you're maybe a little better than them somehow. He has chosen you to not be destroyed. Isn't God merciful to you? Aren't you so much better than everyone else? Uh, for me, this this note about how like they get on the ark and okay, so uh, Noah has, according to Mr. Whitaker, been building this fucking thing for 120 years. His family is probably like, man, we really need to get him into th- therapy. It's been 120 years. This has got to stop. I'm like, okay, okay, yeah, sure, get on the ark. I'll I'll, I'll humor you, Noah. I'll I'll humor you, Dad. I'll humor you, hubby. I'm oh God. I just I I hope I hope that this will make you okay. We'll just indulge you this one last time. They got on the ark and then God closes the door. Horror movie sting. Like, oh, (laughs) shit. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then uh, all of their friends and acquaintances are drowned. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. They were evil. Did they just alienate themselves from everyone? Like, you're going to die anyway, so I'm not going to be friends with you. Like, 100%. How? I mean, otherwise, yeah, how, how would do you... you not grieve your exactly. people that were around you? You're like, oh, like you, do you have no feeling like watching these people drown? Or even if you're inside, you just know that they're drowning. Like that's terrifying, like the traumatizing yeah. and terrifying. You're, and, like, and you're the good you guys have, here? Yeah. yeah. You have like no soul. Like you're not going to be like, hey, we'll try to get as many people out as possible. Like, nope, God said no. So we got to let you go. Sorry, guys. Here. Yeah. So this is what Wit says, just as he promised, God destroyed all living things on the ground. Only Noah and those with him on the ark remained alive. Um, so I actually told this story to my daughter. I was trying to do 
um, like turn it into like a global warming story kind of. Yeah. And anyway, so I basically told this story um, and the, the idea well, whatever. I I told it in a different way, but it was like the same story, except mm-hmm. I called it Nora and the Ark. Nice. Because nice. I made it, it like a woman because like true change is and revol- revolution is only going to come from like women of color. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so I told my, our, my oldest child this story when she was five, four or five. And after I told her, you know, and there was a flood and she was like, what happened to the people who weren't on the boat? Oh, no. Hmm. And I was like, they died. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, this is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And and she yeah. just cried Aww. and cried. Yeah. And I was like, holy fuck. That is the correct response to this yeah. story. Yeah. Not it's well, an we're better awful than everyone, story. So they deserve to die. Yeah. It is awful. Yeah. And, and like I, I okay, if never Noah... told it again. <laughs> yeah. If Noah was perfect, as he has said, as he's described, he's perfect and of God, would he not have felt the same way? Like would he not have grieved and cried yeah. over the people? Like even while he's building the boat? Mm-hmm. Be like, really, God, there isn't anything else you can do. Yeah. Yeah. Because you look at other like, stories. What a like, what weak God. Jonah. Yeah, totally. Well, because you're supposed at other to be stories. love, who also, if we believe that, created humans and their psychology, who would understand that quote unquote right. wicked behavior, whatever it was, comes usually from like trauma and would create a system in which to help people heal. Right. If he was truly love, you know? Yeah. Well, because in other, like, no, that's okay. But like Jonah goes to Nineveh, right? And mm-hmm. gives them a chance to repent. And they go, oh, we repent. And like, you know, there's other opportunities where like, um, like even Lot is like, but God, if there is even more, one more holy person in the land or whatever, like, will you spare this land? Right. Isn't that Lot? Anyway, uh, but like Abraham. other people, was that Abraham? Other people yeah. who are like, fighting for the rest of the community even though they realize that they're quote-unquote evil but mm-hmm. noah's just like okay cool sucks to be you guys i'm mm-hmm. perfect so i'm gonna live i don't care about you yeah it seems like something is missing uh, it's missing interesting how ones? many yeah. how many times this same kind of story is retold in the bible like the story it's of sodom true. and gomorrah is a similar story yeah. right yeah yeah yeah, because he destroys Sodom and yeah. Gomorrah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that you have a a really good point here about the difference here, Karis, about how there's not even any attempt at like mercy or redemption. And I think that uh, that's why this is uh, taken and chosen by Focus on the Family as being a story about faith, because this is the ultimate 
evangelical patriarch power fantasy. Noah wastes his life doing a bunch of stupid shit for no good reason. People rightfully challenge him and question him on it. And then they're all fucking murdered by God. And Mm -hmm. God gives him and his family that he's in charge of total dominion over everything as a reward. And that's what they want. That is their fantasy. Yes, it is also, it's the narcissist fantasy. They didn't like me. They didn't do what I wanted. I'm going to, they're all going to (laughs) pay. Yeah. Because I am special and chosen by God. Yeah. But it also makes God a narcissist. Like Noah is a narcissist, but he's getting it from God. Yes. Because God is also. Evangelical God and masculinity is narcissistic. Yeah. 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 So then they're on the boat for 40 days and 40 nights and they send out a raven, but it comes back because there's no dry ground. They send out a dove, uh, no luck either. Noah waits seven days, sends out a dove again. It comes back with an olive leaf and then another seven days he sends the dove out and it doesn't return and the earth dries up. Uh, God tells them to get out of the ark and be fruitful and multiply and they did. Did anyone is the is the fact that a dove is used significant because it always seemed important to me because it always gets mentioned and it's I'm like is this detail important because also yeah. when Jesus is being baptized doesn't a dove come down yeah I think so it's like so. kind of like a, a symbol of God or I something. think it represents the Holy Spirit that's yeah. what I always took it as like because the so spirit it- came down on. Oh, sorry. That's uh, that's what she said. Um, <laughs> it came. Uh, I don't know how to say it any other way. Yep, came, say it that way. Yeah, yep, say it. Do it. Do it. This like the dove came down on Jesus. <laughs> not a bug in the future. It's not getting better, and my brain can't think of another way to say it. <laughs> Amazing. Anyways, yeah, dove equals Holy Spirit, and uh, yeah. So I think it's like. Tying in Old Testament, New Testament in that way. Like the Holy Spirit so, is always there type of thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think they that ties in really with the evangelical um, idea that the Bible, the entire Bible is about Jesus, even the Old Testament. Right. Right. Like the whole Bible is telling the story of Jesus. And this, I think, is the, the way this story is presented by focus just to me is like the sin hell story. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. Noah mm-hmm. was the first turn and burn preacher. They they right. made it about death and hell. And even at the end, in a minute, he ties it into like living forever. Right. So yeah. they they get out of the ark and there was a rainbow in the sky as a sign of the promise that God would never destroy the earth with a flood again. So he says it's a way to remember God's promise, but it's really a way to remember God's genocide. Yes. What we see structured into here, like classic abuser behavior, the like, okay, I did this terrible thing, but you know, I promise I won't do it again (laughs) in this way, this time. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. That's um, faith. The same way. Did you have something, Karis? Also, oh, I was just gonna say. Also, the fact that um, 
evangelicals are always so angry that the LGBTQ community has stolen the rainbow from them. But yeah. what is a way better way yes. to use the rainbow for like celebration of diversity and inclusion or celebration of a genocide? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it, I think it's telling because in evangelicals' minds, that is a, an exact flipping, right? Totally. Those would be the people that God would have genocided. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That was probably the evil that was going, like, who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. They can use their imaginations to imagine what the evil was. And yeah. the, yeah. Yeah. So there's this prehistoric, idyllic, perfect queer civilization and just this one supernatural entity obliterates it all and fucks up the rest of history and now we have to live in it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's yes, the story that's... of noah yeah yeah that's, that's a, a good better take. take yeah <laughs> also can we talk about how they have to be fruitful and multiply with their siblings and family members yeah yeah that's i mean we call it founder's effect when you have a very small group of people with <laughs> A small gene oh, okay. pool than like populating a large area and what happens with that is usually a lot of health problems yeah because it's inbreeding right so mm-hmm. then any kind of any genetic predisposition toward disease certain diseases gets amplified mm-hmm. right that makes sense yeah that's mm-hmm. faith the same way we put our faith <laughs> in jesus christ uh, <laughs> keep trying i'm gonna i'm that gonna read good. it and good. then yep That's faith, the same way we put our faith in Jesus Christ, trusting that he has and will do all that he said he would. Mm. Fearing, really. Like, this is about fearing that God will do what he says he's going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Does does he say Jesus will do what he says or God? Because if he's talking about Uh, what Jesus said he'll do, I feel like that's, I mean, it's supposed to be the same. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. Yes, he says Jesus. 1 Peter 1, 8-9 says, Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your soul. So that's how they tie it into then evangelizing people. Because we have faith in Jesus, and that saves us from dying. Noah lived for another 350 years. He was 950 when he died. Jack's like, will I live that long? And Witt's like, if you have faith like Noah, you'll live forever. And like, God, I hope not. <laughs> so so we already did the thing about how like we do not have to take the 350 and the 950 and whatever years. Literally, we also don't have to take the idea that these are historical figures seriously. Yes. But like come on, I, I'm turning 35 and I want a closed casket at my birthday, right? Like, I don't <laughs> want to be 950. Um, so that's the end of the episode. Then we have we go to Chris, who says, Hebrews 11 lists all of the great examples of faith and not just Noah, um, and says, through faith, we can be close to God have our prayers answered, and have victory in all areas of our lives. Big promise. Those those were some big promises. Mm -hmm. Also, this idea of like being close to God. I kind of wanted to know what you guys think that means. Like, I, it, 
it's it's whatever it's a feeling yeah of like being it's something that you kind of create yourself this idea of closeness to god Mm -hmm. yeah and it's so also just so vague like if you have faith you can be close to god like two words that are are kind of vague yeah Um, well because then it's it's a great way for then evangelicals to jump in and go oh you have that shame you're not close to god oh you're dealing with this you're not like and then they can control it Mm -hmm. and can you don't have enough faith yeah god is really speaking through me right now for me to tell you what i want to tell you anyway yep yeah 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 i well what you're wait so maybe what you're trying to say with that little skit is that (laughs) focus on the family is actively shaping the understanding of what faith is to be kind of blind trust and following in people who have some ideas and that those people are representatives of god and that couldn't possibly be in order to like set up children to blindly follow a church leader. No, that doesn't sound mm. possible. Candace, at that all, doesn't Candace. make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, stupid. I, I just realized what Mitch was saying. I it wasn't me. <laughs> but like really that that is the trick, right? Because they sell you this idea of you can all have closeness and a personal relationship with God so that you can have ownership over your faith and know in your heart what the truth is because you are close to God. But if you have any doubts and aren't feeling it, or if you're doing it wrong and I tell you that you're doing it wrong, well, I'm already close to God. So just do what I tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Like, like I've that, been that's the bait and switch yeah. is yeah. the promise of agency, but instead you don't get agency you get me telling you. Well, mm-hmm. the promise of a relationship with God is a subs- like a subservience to church leader because they set themselves up in the position mm-hmm. of God, right? Like they are the mouthpiece of God. Yeah. Therefore, yeah. you should have faith in what I'm saying because these are literally the words of God coming out of yeah. my mouth. If you don't have faith in me, you don't have faith in God. Um, And she closes with 1 John 5, 4, whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. What a clear and not confusing verse to end on about faith. That makes perfect sense to me. What does overcoming the world mean? Fascism. (laughs) (laughs) Also, does this... I don't feel like this even really answers the question of what faith is. The the what I understood from this episode that their okay. focus on the family's definition of faith is trusting that's that someone is going to do what they say they're going to do. Or trusting that something right that you you know tr- trusting that God will do something that he says he's going to do. That you hear when you hear something in your head, trusting that it's real and good and going to come to pass. Okay. But also it's kind of like blindly following the voice of God, in which case that really means like your pastor. 
Right. I was going to say, because what is the voice of God? Yeah. 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 That's kind of, that's based on the, how they talk about it and their definition, the assurance of things unseen, like, and their, their, their example of Noah. Right. Yeah. And it's talking about, you know, you just have to have faith and don't question anything. You know, that's also what they're getting at too, I think is like, you don't have to, you just have to have faith, meaning just follow us and follow this for the rest of your life. No matter Mm -hmm. what, you don't have Mm -hmm. to doubt, you don't have to question, just, you know, keep living your life and have faith. And at some point something, you know, like it'll all work out because of eternity. Yeah, like the only thing you need to have faith in is a certainty that you will go to heaven. Yeah. Because if you believe that, then we can do whatever we want with you right now. Which is like right. so frustrating. You won't live your life for now. Right. Yeah, right. But what's the mm-hmm. point of this life then? You know, like why? Mm-hmm. It just, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. I don't know. Yeah, that is something that I have actually come to resent a lot is how much um, not by accident, uh, groups like this lean on the idea of, you know, don't store up your treasures in this world, store them up in heaven. Mm -hmm. The, uh, and like, you know, if you have faith in a God who loves you and gave you this life, maybe treasure that life. Yeah. 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 Is, like, is it is it a gift that is for you? Or is it one of those, uh, you know, when I have a jacket that I like to wear and my family keeps giving me new jackets because they hate it and want yeah. me to wear a new jacket. So I wind yeah. up with a closet full of seven heavy jackets I don't want. Uh, is, is it that kind of gift? Yeah. Yeah. Is it a gift or is it a manipulation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, and the get the get quote unquote gift of salvation we know is very much a manipulation because is it a gift if it's like if it's a threat? Yeah. Of eternal torture. Yeah. You don't want to. You don't want to go there. Yeah. So you know, it, <laughs> yeah. is it a gift yeah. if it's at gunpoint? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to. I'm going to let you live as long as you don't walk into my gun you know like or whatever yeah you know yeah that was a bad analogy but (laughs) no we get Um, what you're saying though we get listen i give you a body and if you want to use it in a way that i don't like i'm just going to take it back and torture it forever Mm -hmm. yeah and you just have to guess what the right thing is what the moral thing is Mm -hmm. how to live you just just see say what you think is godly find someone and if you're wrong then you're screwed both of those things that you that you both just said are abuser logic. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. The only way to figure out if it was the right or wrong thing to say is to wait for the consequence. Yeah. Which eternally could be a BFD. Um, yeah. Shall we read the discussion questions for this yeah. episode? Yes. Why is Noah such a good example of someone who had great faith? Because in the story that they wrote, he was right and not an insane crank who wasted all of his time. Yep. Yeah. I think it's because Mr. Whitaker said so, and I believe everything he says. (laughs) 
You're a very good question. Yeah, That's a good answer. <laughs> Those were both very good answers. What is the answer that they're looking for here? Such a good example. Because he heard from God and did something, even though it literally made him look insane because for hundreds of years. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. He went against the status quo because his <gasps> yes, faith that's what they in God want. Yeah. was higher than what was going on in the world around him. He was yeah. persecuted and he went against that status quo. Yeah. Yeah. The Bible says that Noah preached to others while he was building the ark, even though the others made fun of him. Would you share your faith with friends who made fun of you? If so, they- how would you do that? question are, are they your friends well that's the question first of all okay are they not making allowed to have friends also you're not allowed to have friends who don't share your faith right yes. now. because what this is doing is priming people to think when they go and start standing on their sub soapbox telling people they'll go to hell because they kissed a dude uh is that oh i'm under attack i'm being attacked and oppressed and my friends are making fun of me for challenging my shitty beliefs that i'm trying to impose on them which trying to impose your like that is something that they explicitly called out in you know just one of their funny bits about how civil liberties are evil Mm -hmm. right yeah i don't think that's the right answer mitch (laughs) (laughs) um because there is like kind of a sub subplot within this episode that we didn't touch on because i didn't include it in the notes where lucy keeps bringing up the fact that she's bullied at school or teased at school because Mm -hmm. she is a christian yeah so like are they asking this question in relation to that like because she's sharing her faith with her friends Mm -hmm. and they're making fun of her but I'm is she sure. sharing her faith or is she just a Christian and they know she goes to church? Because when I went to public school, after going to Christian school forever, everyone goes to church. I went to public school for that one, that first year in middle school. And I was just like, it was so awkward. And I just felt so uncomfortable just with the fact that I knew I was an outsider, even though there's probably lots of other people that went to church, but no one really said anything. Yeah. So it just like you feel like it's not even persecution. Persecution, you just don't feel like you're cool. You know, that's persecution. Yeah, that's that's a good question. So if you were trying to share the gospel with people who didn't want to hear it, how would you go about it in a way that would convince them? I would use a (laughs) megaphone on the corner of the street and ask them where they think they'll be three seconds after they die. Because I saw that um, at a farmer's market once and I was super convinced. And I started wearing really long skirts all the time. And I went to this guy's church and listened to everything he said. Just kidding. But that did, ha- <laughs> that, that did actually happen, the farmer's market thing. But but I you did didn't not. actually, you were like, no. this guy's dumb. And that was when I was like, bad still, still a good Christian, but I was cringing at that. Yeah. So, so here's my strategy. Now, I think if I had advanced foreknowledge of a massive ecological catastrophe that was coming in the future that was going to kill and cause enormous, unbelievable destruction and suffering, uh, what I would do is I would convene an enormous panel of experts, have them study the problem thoroughly, and come up with an evidence-based 
established idea of what is wrong and what we have to do about it. And I would tell people that we need to start taking action now. Eh, the correct yeah. answer, Mitch, is <laughs> to fund climate change denial science quacks and muddy the waters to confuse people for 50 years until the problem is so bad that you can't do anything about it and then just build really nice bunkers for your super the super rich elite while they leave they as noah leave the rest of us to die for their sins geo sins ding 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 (laughs) this has gotten the correct answer and then they'll have lots of fun with the founders effect yeah yeah Rainbows are a sign of a promise from God. What are some other promises that God has made for us? Eternal damnation. Yeah. He's like, you know what? Instead of just wiping everyone out with a natural disaster, we'll torture them for all of eternity. The problem was the reason why people were still wicked is because the threat wasn't big enough. What we need is mm. a bigger mm-hmm. threat. That makes sense. They mm-hmm. didn't have faith that it was actually going to happen. God did not have peaceful parenting training. He didn't know no. how to sit with his own emotions and yeah. process his shit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Someone he just didn't needs know to blow how to his coach mind. his children instead of threaten. Yeah. Sorry, Mitch. What introduce, did you say? introduce the idea that escalating coercive punishment is ineffective for correcting behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've been reading some Angela Davies and she's been I, I reading her book about um yeah, I'm just gonna bring it up. Cause I can't my brain is not working. It's called Freedom is a Constant Struggle. So it's basically about like how to create a movement. And, and she talks, she is a major, um, voice in the abolitionist movement in prison abolition. Yes. And so she talks about how, like, if, if our goal is to end prisons, um, end the police, you know, we need to change our framework on, a personal level to understand like it's not okay to threaten people it's not okay to use violence and that just made me think so much of how powerful parenting like that is you know because yeah. it's and and how important it is for us as the parents to really try and like shift our framework away from that and i i try to you know, I don't hit my kids. I try not to yell at my kids. Um, sometimes I still do like try to manipulate them though, because sometimes I just want them to do what I want them to do now. Mm-hmm. And yeah. inherent in that is the same idea, you know, like threatening with something or you know, instead of taking a more collaborative approach, like, okay, this is what I would like you are in a different place than this. What are your needs right now? How do we meet everyone's needs? Mm-hmm. 
it's like a totally it's a totally different it's a it's a huge switch from this idea of punishing yeah and yeah totally. if you take that away from people's deep understanding of the world then evangelical christianity doesn't work yeah right and also seeing the prison understand. system doesn't work and sorry right. you know oh, no um, just like also with parenting and seeking to understand why they are doing that behavior. And I mean, when it goes back to Noah, God made the people, so he should know why they're doing the evil behaviors, supposedly. But yeah. Yeah, that's the thing that's really gross about it and how it's used to, again, it's just speaking out of both sides of their mouth. Like God is loving mm -hmm. and all knowing and all everything. And mm -hmm. he knows you and created you to be the way you are. And it's yeah. bad. Yeah. Like, okay. I don't get it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's broken. Like it, mm -hmm. you're right. It doesn't make sense. My, I, one of the questions that I had was what is the difference between faith and trust then? Like, why do they need to create this whole new category of faith? And Mitch had a good response for that. Yeah. So something that you'll see a lot in theology is that the backup, right? When you're challenged, when you can't prove what you want to say, when you can't substantiate things, when uh, you, you lean on, well, you just, you, you have to have faith. I have faith. And so drilling into like, what is faith? Faith is the demand to trust without justification. It mm -hmm. is an epistemological, so like the idea of knowledge, how we organize knowledge, how we can know what we know and how we can know whether our beliefs are true and justified. Faith is saying, fuck you. I don't need justification. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is another reason why it's kind of a scary concept in the hands of these right-wing nutjobs. Yes. I don't really have more to say. I, I'm sorry. I, yeah. I, I could no, I could good. launch into like a really no. long diatribe on that for another three no. hours. That was, that was <laughs> full stop. And my other question, another one of my questions was, was what does this story highlight for us about the salvation story? Which really I was trying mm -hmm. to get at how horrifying it is. Like how horrifying this idea. It they they frame it in one way, but if you look at the inverse, it's just horrifying, right? Oh, yeah. they frame it as like, wow, salvation. But the inverse of that is like li literal suffering for billions of people for eternity. Yeah. What about the dad? How, yeah. how can that be seen as a good thing? Yeah. Like why? What is the yeah. purpose of it? And as someone who was has been indoctrinated since birth, it is very hard for me to switch that in my mind because I was always the good one that got saved in the story. Right. You know? And so I did not anymore, think, Lindsay. I know, burn I know. with us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hell now, but whatever. Um yeah, it's just so weird to be like you always think you're the good one. You're always the one who who won. You're the yeah. the special one who has this special knowledge. And you have the faith and you have all the, you have the salvation and everything. And I don't 
I mean, I guess I did think since I was a missionary, I did think at some point growing up a little bit older about other people and their salvation and how I wanted them to be saved also. But as a child, I do not recollect thinking about that at all. It was just like, oh, those people in the past, those bad people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and you have like, I don't know, I people that I have talked to and like my experiences, you kind of have a couple different extremes within that because then you're like, well, it's my job to get all of these people saved. And if they're not saved and they go to hell, it's my fault. Mm-hmm. Or, well, I'm better than them. <laughs> yeah, right. And I mean, both at the same time. But both at yeah, the same time, totally. Yeah. yeah. And this raises, you know, another thing about like how small and, and weak is the evangelical God. Another question of mm-hmm. faith, which is, if they believe that God is good, why can they not have faith that God will save everyone and doesn't need to punish mm-hmm. people? Yeah. 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 Well, if they because say, that would if require do something. If he says he's going to let everyone burn, then they have to believe that because that's what he supposedly said. Yeah. But, but in so many verses in the Bible, in scripture, in the New Testament, specifically talking about God's sacrifice for the salvation of all. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Even just the verse like God is love. Yeah. There is yeah. a strong scriptural basis speaking specifically about the mechanics. Uh, we were having a conversation in, in the, the discord about like Holy Saturday and the harrowing of hell and the concept of like Christ descending into hell to liberate uh, the imprisoned dead. Like this idea with scriptural basis that God can and will save everyone Mm -hmm. and they just fucking ignore it. Mm -hmm. And like, why can't they have faith in that? Because it doesn't make them the Noah who gets to smugly rule his family and be supreme while everyone else dies because they're fascists. Fuck them. Yeah, it is deeply rooted in white supremacy and... Again, you know, like, what is it, what is it when you punish people and for not doing what you want? Like you're treating them like property and you're treating them less than you, right? Mm -hmm. It is, it's all, it's all deeply entrenched in white supremacist thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I, because we all, the reason that so many of us have left the church, right, is because we believed the things like God is love. You know, um, we should be looking after the widows and the orphans and, you know, like whoever is least among you. Yeah. This, this idea of a God who actually cares about people and then seeing the gross politics of the churches we were all brought up in, we were like, oh man, this does not jive. Mm -hmm. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. With the Jesus of the New Testament. Um, But if you have like a radical reading of this. The story of Noah is like showing a terrible tragedy. It's not, you know, the story of Noah is like a story of hoarding, kind of, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Or any number of different, like there are so many more interesting nuanced ways to approach it than it is a story of punishment and manipulation. Mm Mm-hmm. 
But if your entire way of thinking is steeped in punishment and manipulation, you can't conceive of something outside of that. You can't conceive of like the idea of love really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why it's so revolutionary. I mean, that was one of bell hooks, big things. Anyway, we don't need to, we don't need to get deep into feminism here, even though (laughs) we already are. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but they, we all understood like the revolutionary power of real love. And that does not come across yeah. at all in this episode. No. Or in no. evangelical culture. Not at all. No. Especially lately. I feel like, I mean, I mean, I say especially lately just because there's a lot of stuff going on in the evangelical world, but I feel like there always is, always has been. I'm just more aware of it now or something, mm-hmm. but it's just, it's so. Disgusting. I remember being like, where you are, like, once you start seeing it, then you see it everywhere and you can't you can't unsee it (laughs) and you're still so deeply connected to those communities that you're just you literally are kind of inundated with it all the time yeah but there does come a point where you're like it it changes what you expect of those communities so it's kind of like i mean i guess that's kind of unfortunate but your your whole understanding of it shifts it's not like oh this is uh this is supposed to be like a place where God is caring for people, you see that it's not at all. It's like just yeah. a cesspool, but yeah. it's hard when you're like close to it. Cause there's a, there's like such a big grieving process. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. And I've just been, I've gotten far, farther and farther away from it. So I finally just like yesterday, I was like, Oh, I think I'm kind of starting to get on the other side of this deconstruction thing. And I think I'm good. And then all this stuff online about like people being hateful disgusting monsters to like this one woman who had an opinion that they didn't like and you know like they're they're like a colombian woman like mm-hmm. yes wishing that yes. she was like saying things this is really terrible but saying things to her like i hope you're in the next mass shooting um and yeah. like i was like when i heard that i was like i am fucking done like mm-hmm. this is you this is your white evangelicalism this is what you think is love because someone has a strong opinion that you disagree with you just go off you don't even stop and sit with it just sit close your mouth sit on your butt go for a walk listen try to understand from someone else's perspective they are trying to tell you something just shut up and listen for a minute and and they're just threatening her and like it's, and it's rampant. It's rampant. I'm not shocked anymore when I'm hearing about all this craziness going on. Like, it's not a shock, but it's still incredibly it's disheartening. It's like a grief, and though. And it's yeah. like, okay, I'm I'm out at this point. Don't don't call me. <laughs> it's so hard for me to say, but I want to be like, okay, don't call me a Christian because I've been a Christian yeah. my whole life. But it's like, I do not want any part of that. And I, it boggles my mind that Christians are so blind to their mm-hmm. own like to their to their own white supremacy and indoctrination it's disgusting well and because this this woman is saying things like that are pro-abortion pro-choice and the pro-life people are telling her to go kill herself Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. They're the most hateful like monsters. I'm like, and anti-life. Yeah, like they're like, not pro-life. They are anti-choice. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, they are pro-forced, 
forced, forced pregnancy. Birth. Yeah. yeah. Just and and not only threatening her, but threatening her children. We, we've been oh, seeing yeah. that they've been like posting where her children live, which is a threat. And also oh, yeah. there is there is a direct, well, when you just, when a white man online says to a woman of color, I hope you're in the ma- next mass shooting, that is not like just a vague wishful thinking thing because mm-hmm. mass shootings and gun violence in the United States is not a neutral, just act of nature that happens. It is white settler terrorism against mm-hmm. people of color. Yeah, and it is, it is straight up a white person threatening with a lynching in a credible way. Because the way yeah. uh, this online discourse works is that that is... It's called it's stochastic violence. It is saying like, hey, someone should do this. Someone should do this to you yeah. in a way that you can say in a plausible denialable way. Like, oh, I, I was just I was just saying it would be neat if that happened. But when you put that out into the Internet, when you t- when you post on the Internet where a woman's children go to school, you are invoking a wish for someone who is not you to do violence to them. Otherwise, yeah. there would be no point to doing it. Why would you do it if you didn't know it's threatening? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. why would you think it's threatening unless you thought it was plausible that it could happen? Because it could. And it has. And it has. Yes. yes yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So screw your face. Um, yeah. <laughs> so anyway. I, I also think it's interesting how they frequently kind of uh, pit faith against love. Right, because yeah. that's like that's kind of what this story is doing. Like this, you just got to have faith that God has a bigger, bigger plan. Yeah, and yes. but you don't get to have faith in God's love, like Mitch said. Yeah, right. Yeah. It- well, this is where this is where the authority comes in, right? Because it's like, oh, okay, so your faith in a loving God is ha- causing you to have doubts and contradictions. Well. I'm the dude and I'm in charge and my faith is not giving me those problems. So you need to listen to me. You need to shut up. You need to let go of your search for truth and verification and justification in your beliefs. You need to follow me. My faith is better than your faith. Obviously. Yeah. Have faith in my faith. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for joining us for this new first episode of our new season, meeting our new co-hosts. Uh, it was really fun. It's always fun recording with you guys. I look forward to doing this more. Yes. And uh, make sure you follow us on all the social medias, Ideology Podcast, and um, join our Patreon if you want access to our Discord chat that Mitch was mentioning earlier um, at Adventures in Ideology on Patreon. $5 a month, two extra episodes, and access to our uh, Discord um yeah thanks for listening and please give us feedback or send us messages we love getting messages from you guys thanks send all your negative feedback to me (laughs) (laughs) Uh, until next time Bye. bye bye